today on The Open Word with Pastor David Landry. Open our hearts, change us from within by the open word. Give us ears to hear your truth and eyes to see the needs around us as we draw. There's one thing that through all of this struggle, through all of this woe, through all of this trauma that has gone on in Naomi's life, that somehow she's been able to pass on to Ruth. And that's the greatness of her God. Even in the midst of the struggle, even in the midst of all the loss, there's something that Naomi was able to pass on to Ruth and says, Ruth, I don't know what it is, but your God I want him to be my God, that if I break this, that Jehovah, the Lord, that he would do the same and more also to me. The story of Naomi shows incredible dedication to the Lord. She suffered through great tragedy, yet she was able to pass on to Ruth the greatness of God so actively that Ruth forsakes her people to accept the true God. In his message today, Pastor David shares with you the story of Naomi and Ruth, showing their exceptional dedication to each other and Jehovah. Remember this story when struggles are present in your life and cling to our great God. Now here's Pastor David in the book of Ruth chapter 1 as he begins his message, Commitment, Faithfulness, Disobedience, and a Divine Call. There's absolutely no doubt in my mind that everyone in here has had a bad day or two in your life, okay? And we could probably even go to the point and say, hey, you know, boy, I remember 1998, the horrible year, or 2000, whatever. Sometimes it's a whole year, a whole year of turmoil and stress and drama. We're going to be looking at tonight as we begin our study in Ruth as at a woman who really for a number of years, everything just seemed to go from bad to worse to worse. And you, just about the time you think it can't get any worse, suddenly it does. We are in the book of Ruth this evening. I invite you to turn there. And again, in this study, as we're going through, we're not covering all the verses of every book. This is an overview as we're trying to cover the entire Bible in one year. So there may be parts and points within the book of Ruth here that I may not hit on tonight that maybe is your favorite. I totally understand that. But what my, my desire, what my focus is, is to try and get a good solid overview and then also to be able to glean from that a good principle, a good understanding for us in our walk in Christ and also to help us to see Jesus within every book of the Old Testament. Now, when we finished a week or so ago with the book of Judges, Judges left us with, with a nation of Israel that was actually in this moral, this spiritual downward spiral, and it just continued on and on and on. Uh, you'd think, man, now you're in the promised land. 
Now you're in the land that you had waited and prayed for for all these years. Sudden, you know, certainly your, your life ought to be, man, focused on the greatness of God and all of his blessings. But that's actually the exact opposite as they went in just as God had warned them. You're going to go in there. Everything's going to be going fine. And you're going to walk away from me. And you're going to start worshiping the idols of the land. And that's exactly what we see here. And as a matter of fact, the, the whole focus, the whole flow of Israel comes to those la- that last verse of the last chapter there in Judges 21, verse 25, where it says that in those days, there was no king in Israel and everyone did what was right in his own eyes. Now, then we move actually time frame wise on into the book of 1 Samuel, where a young Samuel grows up under the tutelage of the existing priest, Eli. But Samuel becomes not only a priest, but a prophet and a judge of Israel. And he sets in place the coronation of of Saul as the first king of Israel, and then followed shortly thereafter by David as the second and the greatest king of Israel. So really, time-wise, we move right from Judges right into 1 Samuel. And yet, before we get into the birth of Samuel and his life, we actually have this very short, this very personal book of Ruth. And Ruth is actually set in the time of the judges. So before we get to the end of judges, actually Ruth is taking place. We don't know exactly where in that time frame, but we do know that it is in the time frame before the time of Samuel. Now both the placement, I believe, and the the uniqueness of the story of, of Ruth, I believe is very is absolutely paramount to to the future not only of Israel but also to Christianity and to God's kingdom work. When we look at the story of Ruth, very short book, but a very powerful book. Within the book of Ruth, we're gonna find, again, the layout of God's plan of redemption through what is called the kinsman redeemer. And we're gonna find out that that whole phrase, the kinsman redeemer, man, is such a powerful focus. For Ruth, that became Boaz, her kinsman redeemer. But literally for the world, that is Jesus Christ. God became human as we are, and therefore he became that kinsman redeemer. Jesus in the human flesh became a kinsman redeemer for the world. We also see in Ruth this whole idea of God's providential work. Uh, uh, Again, he, he, he brings his will, he brings his planned together in ways that, man, we just can't even fathom. At, a, at, at certain times, we look at it and say, there's no way, there's no way this is going to work out for good. And yet, don't we understand from the New Testament, from Paul's writings, that all things work together for good to those that love him, to those that are called according to his purpose. Beloved, that's not just a New Testament principle. That's a God principle. 
That's, that's a kingdom principle. And that's true in the Old Testament as well as it is in the New. And so we see that. Even working through these great tragedies, we're gonna read in just a moment that Israel was in this mass famine and, and people were starving. And that's the reason that Naomi, the, the woman that we'll look at first, her and her family leave Israel and family and friends and everything that they know and move to the land of Moab. But we also see God working through tragedy in personal lives, which we'll see in Naomi's life, again, as we look through this whole story. We also, in the midst of God's providential work, we see his grace reaches across nationalities, and it breaks down prejudices in in every way. And, And that's one of the things that you and I need to understand in the world that we live in that in Christ, there is absolutely no dividing walls. There are no barriers of any sort at all. In Christ, we are humankind, and we have the opportunity to be redeemed through Christ. We see that working out even in the lives of Israel, and now we're gonna bring in Moab, and what, a, what an interesting uh, situation with Moab. But we also see that grace, it's not just salvation for the Jew, as again, the, many within Judaism had felt, and they had that arrogance and that pride even during the time of Christ. But now we're gonna see again that his plan is being made available even to the Gentile as this woman, Ruth, comes into the story. His grace also reaches across social status and and biases. We see the the poverty of Naomi and Ruth, and we see the wealth of Boaz, and we see that through the providential hand of God, God brings these two together. So the book of Ruth, as I said, although it's short as compared to other books of the Bible, it's only four chapters long. I believe that it's rich in every way. It it is well worth our study. It's well worth our our deep study, our our understanding of it. We read here in the opening verse of Ruth. Hopefully you've got your Bibles open to Ruth chapter one. We read in the opening verse, now it came to pass in the days when the judges ruled that there was a famine in the land. And a certain man of Bethlehem, Judah, went to dwell in the country of Moab, he and his wife and his two sons. As we would read the rest of that passage, we'd quickly find out that this man's name is uh, Elimelech and his wife is Naomi. His sons are Malan and Chilion. And it wasn't long after they arrive in Moab that Elimelech, the the dad, the father, uh, the husband of Naomi, he dies And so he leaves Naomi then as a widower with two young sons. We really don't know the age of the sons at that point in time, but we do know that uh, eventually they do find wives there. But it would seem that at this point, when you look at that, you think, man, they left a famine. He drew his family, man, he, he led his family over to Moab to find a better life for them. And what happens? He dies. Where's God in the midst of that? Where's God when, when suddenly you're, you're trying to get better from being in a bad situation and it simply gets worse? I think that's an honest question. I think that's a question probably every one of us have asked at one time or another. 
Where's God in the midst of this? I don't doubt that that's a a fair question that Naomi had to ask also. And we can only imagine the processes of the thoughts and the emotions moving through Naomi's mind and her heart at this point in time. She's in a foreign land. She's got her two sons with her. Her husband dies. And again, a, a widow, if her sons are old enough to try and make a living, understand they're still in a foreign land and how that's all going to work, we, we don't know for sure. Naomi doesn't know for sure. And then within an unknown time frame, we find out that her two sons actually obtain wives. And they, uh, but the problem is, is they obtain wives, not good Jewish girls, but they've got these Moabite women that have married them. Now, you know, okay, I'm glad you guys are married, but couldn't you find a good Jewish girl? No, mom, you brought us over here to Moab. This was all that was available within the pickings. So through all of this, you know, Naomi's got a process. And, And here's the deal about Moab. The Moabites, they were the descendants, actually of the family line of Lot, And actually, they come from an incestuous relationship that Lot had with his two daughters. The child of the first daughter by their dad was Moab. The child of the second daughter was Ben-Ami, who is the father of the Ammonites. So you see Moab and Ammon, or the Moabites, the Ammonites, they come from Lot's daughters. So there, there's always been this, yeah, they're related to the Jews, but yet at the same time, they're off a, a far, far distant relative. Again, Naomi sees this. At least now there's somebody to help carry the load of maintaining the house and she can move on. Well, for 10 years, everything seems, from what we know, everything seems to be doing well. Naomi, her two sons, her two daughter-in-laws, uh, Orpah and Ruth, they, they remain there in, in Moab. We've got a widowed mother, her two sons, and their two Moabite wives. Perhaps life is finally starting to come together, and we've experienced that probably in life. We've gone through a hellacious season within our lives. We've, we've wondered where God was in the midst of it, and then all of a sudden things start calming down, and we can breathe a little bit easier and everything. Okay, it seems like everything's on, on the upward flow at this point in time. And yet, at this point in time, once again, fate hits Naomi with unexplainable sorrow and heartbreak. Both of her sons die. We don't know what they die from. We don't know how close they died together. All we do know is is that both of her sons have died. So now Naomi is not only a foreigner in a foreign living in uh, this land, but she's a widow. She's a mother grieving the loss of her two sons. Life can be so absolutely unexplainably cruel at times. And for a woman living in the Middle East who has no male assisting her, a husband or sons or sons-in-law, it's, it's a terrible, it's a horrible situation. Very, very difficult. And yet in the midst of this, she hears that God had visited her native land, Israel. 
that again, the famine had been broken, that there is bread available, there's food available over there. And so she determines that she is going to go back to Israel. Now, as Naomi determines that she's gonna return to Bethlehem, the place where they're from. Oh, and by the way, the, the name Bethlehem, the, the, the definition of Bethlehem is the house of bread. She goes back to Israel because there's now bread available in the house of bread. It's also interesting. Jesus was born in Bethlehem, the house of bread, he who is the bread of life. So we see all of these things working together. So as Naomi leaves to go to Bethlehem, so do her two daughter-in-laws, Orpah and Ruth. They said, hey, listen, we're going to go with you. But Naomi tells him, no, you stay here in Moab in your home country. You're both still young women. You can find a husband. You can still have a family. And so Orpah, she turns and she goes back to her people. But Ruth is determined to stay with Naomi. Now, beloved, this this is an amazing, amazing concept. It's a It's an amazing personality. It's an amazing heart. It's a huge heart for Ruth to say, no, I'm not going to stay with these people. When I married your son, I became your people, that I'm part of you now. And that's the concept Ruth has. The words that Ruth shared with Naomi, they've passed down literally through the centuries as words many times used in, in weddings, the uh, commitment of a, uh, of a wife to a husband, that kind of understanding. But really and truly, you need to understand these words of love and, and combat, compassion and commitment, these are words of a daughter-in-law for her mother-in-law, okay? Ponder that for a little bit, those of you that have mother-in-laws, okay? Or you have daughter-in-laws, as the case may be. Look at, still in Ruth chapter one, verse 16. These words, so powerful. But Ruth said, entreat me not to leave you or to turn back from following after you. For wherever you go, I will go. And wherever you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die and there I will be buried. And the Lord do so to me and more also if anything but death parts you and me. Those of you that are daughter-in-laws here in the congregation, is that your commitment to your mother-in-law? Those of you that are mothers, is that the commitment of your daughter-in-law? It's an amazing commitment. There's one thing that through all of this struggle, through all of this woe, through all of this trauma that has gone on in Naomi's life, that somehow she's been able to pass on to Ruth. And that's the greatness of her God. Even in the midst of the struggle, even in the midst of all the loss, There's something that Naomi was able to pass on to Ruth that says, Ruth, I don't know what it is, but your God, I want him to be my God. That if I break this, that Jehovah, the Lord, that he would do the same and more also to me. We talk a lot about Ruth, but I think in Naomi's character, even through all that went through, there had to be something that had been passed on to Ruth. 
They return to Bethlehem, and as they get there, Naomi sends Ruth out to work as a corner gleaner. They had a plan in Israel to help the those that were poor, that you could go along the edge of the fields, you could go on the corners. The instructions were to the, the, the regular gleaners to leave the edges, to leave the corners for those that were in, in dire straits, for the poor to be able to gain stuff. So she sent Ruth out to do that thing. So you had to know, you had to understand that if somebody's gleaning on the edge over here, they're not part of the regular work, work crew. Oh, that's one of the poor people there. That's, that, that's one of the people that are struggling to make ends meet there. So automatically, there would be this bias that would probably come in in, in most hearts. It's they're, it's they're working in the middle of the field because they're working for the boss. And all of a sudden you see these men or these women on the sides. These are the poor people. And again, the inbuilt prejudice that comes within humanity, I believe that was probably there. I wonder also, even in how Ruth was dressed, was she dressed as a, a Moabite woman or was she dressed as an Israeli woman? Was there something even in her clothes that, that gave off that understanding that she's not one of us? How easy prejudice can come into play and how multitude are the opportunities we have to build walls that in Christ they've been torn down. When Naomi finds out through God's great providence, the very field that Ruth went out to work on was owned by a fellow by the name of Boaz. And it turns out that Boaz is a relative of Naomi's deceased husband, then Naomi tells Ruth, blessed be he, speaking of Boaz, who has not forsaken his kindness to the living and the dead. And Naomi said to Ruth, this man is a relation of ours, one of our close relatives. And the word used by Naomi translated as close relative is the Hebrew word ga'al. And that's, that word ga'al is used 104 times in 84 different verses in the Old Testament, most often translated as redeem or redeemer. He is our close relative. There is the understanding there within the law of Israel that if you had lost everything, if you had become uh, destitute and poor, you could be redeemed by a close relative who would come in and buy all of your land and then support you from that point. Or in the case of a woman, if she lost her husband and you are the kinsman redeemer, you had the responsibility then of going and marrying her and actually having children by her to again continue the, the birth line or the lineage of her dead husband. Well, this is a situation that Boaz is in. And from what we understand in the story, he was probably quite a bit older than Ruth at that point in time. Baker, Encyclopedia of the Bible, says that that Hebrew root word, ga'al, is used primarily in that relation to family rules and obligations. Again, for that next of kin to both has both the right and the obligation to redeem the property. Well, through a variety of situations, 
Some simply the act of God, while others were a little bit of conniving by Naomi and maybe by Ruth. It finally ends up that Boaz takes Ruth as his wife. That's all we have time to share today, but we're so glad you've joined us. Isn't the Bible a fascinating book to read? There's incredible historical events, crazy scenarios, and a variety of people to keep you intrigued along the way. We hope you'll continue to join us here on The Open Word as Pastor David takes you through the Bible. If what you heard today sparked your interest and you'd like to know more about faith and even who God really is, please contact us. We'd love to talk more with you and share some even more incredible news about your future and the one who can change it, Jesus. Give us a call at 520-836-9676. Again, that's 520-836-9676. If social media is a part of your life, you can connect with us there too. Come like our Facebook page and keep up to date with what's happening at The Open Word and Calvary Chapel Casa Grande. You'll find a link to our website, theopenword.com. Would you like to hear more messages from this series? Here's Pastor David to tell you how. Thanks, Chris. You know, any time you spend in God's Word is valuable. And I'd like to encourage you to do it as often as possible. I know busy schedules can make that hard, but being able to listen to it could just change all that. All of the messages I've shared from the Bible here on The Open Word, they're available to you to listen to online at theopenword.com. Feel free to download them and even share them with anyone you think would benefit. That website again is theopenword.com. Thanks, Pastor David, and thank you for tuning in to The Open Word. Make us more and more.